this truck has naughty words. Welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast Series. I'm your host, Shona Gates. I'm a women's life coach, success strategist, and a self-proclaimed badass. And I'm here to help you rediscover your authentic self, stop delaying your happiness, and step into your truth. This podcast has been created to connect, inspire, and nurture mums who want more. Are you ready? registered associate nutritionist and food technologist and she is super passionate about promoting nutrition for health and well-being. As a busy mum of two boys she knows the struggle and frustration of fussy eating. The whole lunch boxes, what's for dinner situation, we can all relate right? Her job is to remove the stress and provide simple nutrition solutions that the whole family can enjoy. And she really wants to empower you to be confident with your nutrition and bring joy back to food. Jess has a private practice in Gawler and she also presents regular nutrition education sessions and consults with the food industry on recipe development and creating food labels. So guys, I'm so excited to share this podcast with you because you know it's a topic I'm super passionate about. We were meant to be chatting about running a business around two young boys and really going from that place where she was studying for a long time to creating and stepping out and creating her own business. However, we got super passionate talking about all things why diets don't work. So guys, this podcast has been a couple of months in the making. It's a really exciting topic. I know you are going to get so much out of it. And I really, really encourage you to go follow Jess on all of her social media because she is just a breath of fresh air in the nutrition world. And I'm just so excited to be watching her journey um, and also, you know, learning more from her about nutrition and food education. All right, guys, let's get stuck into it. It's going to be an epic podcast. So hi everyone, welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast. Tonight I'm chatting with Jess from Nutrition and Me, who has a really, really interesting story about how she got into nutrition. And, you know, I'm really excited for you to learn a little bit more about what she does and why she's so passionate about empowering women and to take control of their nutrition and their health. So come on in, Jess, and say hi to everyone. Hi Shona, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to um, share a little bit about me. Great, well why don't you share with us a little bit about your story and your background and what led you into getting into this industry, into this field? Yeah, great. It's, um, it's quite a big open-ended question really, isn't it? So um, I suppose I'd start out um, by saying I'm a registered associate nutritionist. Uh, and I'm also a food technologist. Um, I have a private practice in Gawla and I also consult with food industry on menu and recipe development. Um, so that means I can do the um, food labels or the nutrition information panels. And um, it's a part of my, my job is doing workshops and presentations as well on lots of different uh, nutrition topics. And you know what, it's really, um, I feel really proud saying all those things because for me, uh, I've always had, I suppose I'd say a love affair with food. Um, it really did start at an early age for me. And I remember when I was a child, um, my father was one of the first people to get, we used to call it pay TV back then. Do you remember like Foxtel, they used to call it pay TV? Yeah, yeah. It was always something our family never had, but I was always so envious of. Yeah, so he was one of the first people in our town. I grew up in Bendigo, Victoria, uh, to have pay TV. And, you know, as a, as a 10 to 11, 12-year-old girl, I would watch, instead of watching cartoons, I'd love watching the cooking channel. So I would literally just watch the cooking shows. And so this is kind of what sparked my interest in food. 
Um, and I would just constantly read cookbooks and uh, my mother was a really great cook. So, you know, this is where this kind of little inner foodie started. Um, but then, you know, I kind of got a little bit older. Um, there was a separation in my family and mum was then, you know, a busy kind of working mum, a single mum as well. So, you know, we've gone from having lovely home-cooked meals to perhaps, um, and, you know, I'm talking about in the 80s, we've gone to kind of more pre-prepared um, kind of convenience foods. So my diet probably did change a little bit. And um, getting older, uh, things like, you know, alcohol intake, more kind of, takeaway convenience meals as a young adult. So I actually did put on um, quite a significant amount of weight when I was a young adult. Um, so I suppose this was really a bit of a catalyst where I started to feel a bit uncomfortable in my own skin. And uh, look, I think, you know, and there's studies showing that a lot of people in the profession they're in kind of, you know, start their interest from a personal perspective. So um, I think for me personally, um, having this kind of passion about food and I suppose I've always been a um, giving and helpful person. So that kind of combination of the two things really kind of drove my uh, interest to study nutrition. So uh, essentially, um, I was uh, 90 kilos or around 90 kilos at my heaviest and um, I met my now husband and we got married and obviously as a lot of I suppose young girls do they think about um, you know wedding pictures so I suppose getting married was a big catalyst um, and motivation for me to lose weight so I, I lost 25 kilos um, and that kind of then sparked my I suppose more interest in, in nutrition for health um, and just healthy eating behaviours. So then I decided to study and um, I probably tried every fad diet under the sun during my studies. Um, you know, help me out here, Shona, some fad diets. Um, oh, I've done them all. I've literally done all of them. I've done no carb. I've done no fat. Yeah. I've done vegan. I've done, done the one where you only have protein. I've done cabbage soup. <laughs> I've done weight. I miss my mum doing that. Yeah, yeah that's, I've done yeah, Weight Watchers. I've done shakes. I've done the pills. Yeah. I've done everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So exactly. So that's that's where I was at. You know, I I lost this weight, and then um, for me, thinking about being healthy was you know being on a diet, and then you know I felt guilty if I kind of broke the rules. And then I kind of led into this, this vicious pattern of, um, you know, and, and in all honesty, it's taken me throughout that whole time of study to kind of get to the other side. But, but I'll get to that um, because, you know, it, it did take me a long time to study. I, um, I actually took nine years to finish my degree, can you believe? Because, and obviously you did some amazing life stuff in between then. Well, I had, um, so I started studying in uh, Melbourne and uh, my husband is a farmer. So we moved out to uh, a property um, north of Bendigo and then I got pregnant. So I kind of deferred for a couple of years while I had my, my eldest son. Um, and then we moved to uh, Sunshine Coast and um, my husband had another job up there uh, managing a large property. And I got to study at the um, Sunshine Coast University for a while. And I tell you what, that is a beautiful campus up there. Um, and then my second son, so, you know, deferred. So I deferred twice um, during my degree. Uh, and just kind of coming back to that point where um, even through studying, you know, like I knew what I was supposed to be doing. Like I was learning um, about how to eat healthy and, you know, all these healthy behaviours. But you know, you still found yourself in that vicious kind of dieting cycle. And um, in all honesty, yeah, it takes a long time to kind of rid that dieting mentality. Um, 
Oh, 100%. Like I've been on a diet since I was six years old. I found a journal recently that I'd written in when I was six that said I was so proud of myself for saying no to ice cream every night after dinner. And I wanted to stay slim, like from six years old to now be 27. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's not something you can fix overnight. It's not something that you can fix with a 12 week plan or, or a miracle session, but you know, it's worth putting the, the effort and the time into to create that lasting change. Hey, yeah, and look from from my perspective now, I think um, kind of being on the other side of it, there is that freedom. And you know what? I I look back at it and I think there was a lot of behaviours that I had that were all kind of associated with that dieting cycle. So you know, thinking about um, perhaps going out to a cafe with a friend, you know, um, I'd get kind of anxious about, you know, what would I order? might've been the time where I was eating gluten-free and, you know, is this cafe gluten-free and, you know, all these kind of um, other unhealthy behaviors are kind of directly resulted to that, that dieting. Yeah. And it's, it's such a vicious cycle, such an incredibly vicious cycle to, break out of because diet culture is literally surrounding us all the time. Um, and you know, I've been on both sides of that. I've been someone on the outside seeing all the diet culture and being sucked into it. And I've also been someone, you know, I'm almost disgusted to say this, but someone who's promoted the diet culture yeah. and actually, you know, thrived off of promoting it. Um, you know, and that's not where I'm at now in my life, but it was definitely a part of my past. And you can see it's so easy to get sucked in. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think you should, um, you know, I think it, it comes in all honesty from a big place, you saying that. And I think a lot of the times um, we can get quite confused with the messages we're receiving because, you know what, we're, we're receiving these messages in the media telling us that thin um, is healthy. Yeah, and I could literally open my Facebook page right now and I could scroll down and I would see one advert telling me that ketogenic's the way and then I would scroll down the next ad and they would be telling me vegan and the next ad would be telling me to put butter in my coffee and it, we just have all these messages and it's so confusing and no one knows what to do so we just sit and eat a packet of Tim Tams sometimes. Well, well, you know, and that's, that's the bitter truth. You know, unfortunately, most people that I, I come and see, they're just, they're kind of in this um, paralysis, you know, I don't know what to do, you know, do I do this or have this or someone said this? And I think, um, you know, we just, I suppose it's just kind of stripping it back to, you know, let's just try and form a, a positive and healthy relationship with food and weight. Um, by simply encouraging these healthy behaviours. And I suppose from, from my perspective, I like to practice by combining the science of nutrition with the psychology of, of eating. So it's, it's more about the behavioural part of eating um, as opposed to, you know, just, you know, here's a list of food, off you go kind of thing. It's more complex than that. And, you know, um, people that are, you know, people that have struggled with um, different diets. So I would say a yo-yo dieter or a chronic dieter, um, perhaps people that are constantly concerned with their weight and their body shape um, or anyone that's kind of just had enough of dieting. I think that's where, you know, you need to kind of step off that dieting cycle because it really is a trap. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. A trap of restricting our food intake and it's, and it's all driven by a desire to lose weight. Um, yeah. And a lot of it comes down to having that, um, a lot of it really comes down to that body, you know, that self-compassion um, and just having, you know, being able to accept and embrace your body for how it is. Yeah. And this is something, you know, I'm having to, really get honest with myself about and confront because I've stepped off the diet train for the first time in, yeah, like since I was six years old, I'm not thinking about a diet. I'm not on a diet currently. I'm not actively trying to lose weight for one of the first time in a long time in my entire life. And one of the reasons I think I've been able to do that 
is obviously going through, you know, therapy with an eating disorder. Um, but also I've actually started to fall in love with thinking instead of being so terrified, like you were saying earlier about how you would watch cooking shows as a child, that would give me anxiety. Like I, I hate cooking. I hate food. All food has just kind of been evil for me my entire life. And Mm. I, you know, I've, I've just been in this constant dark place. So now for me to actually learn about what's in a blueberry, what does a blueberry actually do to my body? You know, what, yeah. what are the protein cultures in this yogurt? Like for me, it's really exciting. And my kids have even started to get on board and my son will ask, mom, what does broccoli have in it? And then I have to frantically Google and figure out what broccoli has in it. <laughs> but it just makes it a lot more interesting than just thinking yeah. this is calories, which is where yeah. my head has been for the, yeah. so many years. Definitely. And you know what? Um, you know, when my, I kind of light out when you said those things, because for me, food is joy, you know, and, and just simply the pleasure of um, sharing a meal with someone, you know? Um, so, you know, we can look at food in a few ways, really. We can look at food as in nourishing our body. And then we can look at food as, you know, um, a way of deprivation or, you know, reward. And then, you know, the other kind of part is that cultural part of food where we can, you know, enjoy it as a celebration. And uh, a lot of people, including myself, get a lot of satisfaction out of um, sharing mood, uh, mood, sharing food. So it's that kind of the, the pleasure of it as well. And, you know, just touching on what you're saying, getting, you know, family involved and um, that kind of celebration of, you know, I suppose it's maybe that nerdy nutrition side that you're getting into that, you know, you find finding the cool things that that food can do and you can share that with the kids so yeah yeah, it's it's very different for me going from um like yeah just just purely thinking about how little calories can I get in per meal to now thinking like oh I've got my yoga in the morning but if I had a banana that's got this and what if I could add some flaxseed because that's got this in it and it's like this new game of how much nutrients can I get into each meal and it's really interesting but you you mentioned then about um viewing food as a celebration and I know this is something they talk a lot about with like western culture and then um countries like you know France and the French people how they really see food as celebration and it's joy and it's a really enjoyable process for them I was sitting at a family dinner the other day and my my grandpa's about to turn 90 right that is a huge celebration the fact that he's still bloody here at 90 (laughs) and after coffee coffee after lunch they brought out a very small plate of like the chocolate minty biscuits and I watched every single female around that table go I shouldn't be having this but I'm gonna have one and then it was oh I shouldn't have another one and all this is so bad um and you kind of just realize how ingrained that guilt and shame around food can can be within our family and society definitely and you know I think it's it's part of our it's part of our culture you know I was brought up in the low the low fat era you know and um, I always remember my mother being on a diet and this is also coming back to kind of the images we now see on face you know social media on the news Um, it's all kind of just ingrained and it's like the social norm now isn't it you know for a woman to say oh I shouldn't have you know instead of just being like oh yes I love these biscuits you know, it's kind of that, um, what are people going to, to think of me? Are people going to think, you know, that I eat these all the time or, you know, we're putting all these labels on the food. And I suppose that's something that I'm really passionate about is not having any labels on food. Um, yeah. You know, one thing that I've always been taught is that um, through my studies is that food is, is it's morally neutral. So it's not good or bad. Um And when we kind of take the labels off food and, you know, go that one step further and really give ourselves permission to eat all the food, um, and it can take a while, but eventually those foods, you know, that you find that you're kind of been avoiding or feel like they're, they're bad foods, eventually they lose their power over you. Oh, exactly. It's It's quite an interesting concept. I remember kind of first hearing that and kind of, to be honest, rolling my eyes about it, thinking of, you know, but then when you kind of peel back the layers of that, you know, subconsciously, we do think of certain foods as bad foods. 
yeah and it's the minute you say it's bad like and I I know especially for women it's like you know that bad boy that we're always really attracted to and kind of secretly want to want to get to know just because the fact that they're bad and the minute like you actually find out who they are and they're not the bad boy that you image that you had you you don't want them as much I don't know if I can say that because I ended up marrying the bad boy but it that's how kind of like that's how it kind of I see it and yeah the minute I stepped off the diet cycle and when I'm never doing this diet thing again um it was like oh I don't have to restrict but I actually don't want all the food I would have binged on before because I can have it now it's this it is it's completely mental thing and people don't can never know that freedom until they've actually given themselves permission to do that exactly exactly and it's um I think you know I'm just thinking to myself Shona if if it would be beneficial if we kind of just, if I kind of just step through the, the dieting cycle, because we have referred to it a few times now. Yes, just please. Just kind of check in on, on what that is. So it kind of goes like this and it's where you restricting your food intake and it's, you know, mainly to lose weight. Um, and then you're feeling that deprived kind of factor because you're really wanting to eat those foods you're restricting and this is a physiological response our body is actually you know think of that rebellious 17 year old teenager you know if you said you can't have it you want it that's what's happening behind us Um, and then when you give into temptation and eat that kind of that restricted food then we're getting those feelings of guilt you know oh i shouldn't have done this i may as well go and have the whole lot so we're kind of jumping to that other side and, and, and binging on those foods. Um, then obviously we've got the, the feelings associated with that, which is guilt uh, and you might feel like a failure and then really you kind of feel like you don't have the willpower. So what I say to myself, uh, my clients, is that the, you're not failing the diet, the diets are failing you because they're actually set up, you know, they're not set up to be sustainable for one thing they're kind of set up to, to put you in this um, position where your body can't physically, you know, stick with that restriction. And then so, you know, you've given up, you've lost the willpower and then you kind of jump back on it again because, you know, you think that's what you're supposed to do, right? And you're supposed to be on a diet to be healthy. So so that's ex- essentially what, what the dieting cycle is, is that kind of period of um, restricting your intake then kind of giving in and, and binging on it, then the feelings of guilt, and then we kind of and repeat. So that, that's that's how it's working. Um, yeah, yeah. And I know for me, got- towards the end of the cycle, it got to a point where it was like, um, I didn't actually give in to the binging. I just started to restrict further and yeah, further because yeah. The, yeah, the diet itself, my metabolism was changing, and you know I wasn't having the results I did at the start. So I started restricting further and further till I got to a point where I was eating so little during the day that my body just it honestly just started to shut down, and that's not a good thing yeah. either. So it's never you know I hear a lot, even just in conversations down the street where people say, "I just need more willpower," and it's like. I don't, I don't no. think we humans are designed to have this huge amount of willpower. I think we need to shift the way we're thinking about food and our body yeah. and things instead. Especially when it's not setting you up to succeed, you know. You know, think of any kind of, and I always think of those infographics you see on, on um, and I don't know if they just pop up on mine, but we've got a long list of food rules and restrictions, you know, that kind of yes. Yes, no, yeah. You know, like that's not going to set us up for long-term healthy habits. That's really what, what we're working on now. So we're kind of saying these, these kind of um, diets, they're fad diets because they're restricting your food choices. Uh, and we can't, we can't do that for very long. And a lot of the time we're not going to get all the energy and nutrients we need. So we can't function well, as, as you were saying before, with your, with your metabolism, you know, that's going to slow down. And the other thing we know about these kind of fad diets is that, you know, what a hit yourself, it's what a hit your self-esteem takes, you know? Um, so, you know, you're not failing at dieting, the dieting's failing you. So, you know, science is also showing us that um, it's not a long-term approach because anyone that's on this kind of restrictive eating pattern 
there's actually no systematic review, so the gold standard of, you know, scientific evidence that has shown that the weight is being kept off after five years. Yeah, so yeah, that's really interesting. It is really interesting, actually. And, you know, just to kind of add another little layer on that, and this is kind of research that I've been diving into fairly recently um, in terms of how I'm wanting to take my practice, is um, is this type of weight loss mentality and traditional weight loss method, is this actually contributing to the obesity, and I use the word quote-unquote, epidemic? So oh, 100%. <laughs> Yeah. So what I'm saying is that, you know, there's all this hysteria that, you know, there's an obesity epidemic, but is the way that, you know, as a, as a health practitioner or as individuals, we're obsessed with this, you know, version of health that is weight loss orientated, that we're kind of um, contributing to the to obesity because all the studies are showing us, the scientific studies are showing us that we're not keeping the weight off post five years yeah and I can 100% vouch for that like I hit I hit the three-year mark and that was it my body just would not lose another kilo no matter really no matter what I did and it was like okay back to the drawing board let's have a look at this again and and figure out yeah like and it's the conversation I have with people is often like is this now now this is a conversation I'm having with people where it's saying is what I'm currently doing to lose this weight is that the way I want to live the rest of my life? Because it's like, yeah, yes, I yeah. could definitely, I could get down. Mm-hmm. I think my lowest in my extreme anorexia days, you know, that was about 50 kilos. Yes, I could get there, but I would have to do ridiculous, unhealthy, unsustainable things to achieve that. So at what yeah. level can I be healthy? At what weight can I live my best life really like a sustainable best version of me and no one seems to ask that question everyone just seems to want a quick result yeah and i think um you know i think essentially that dieting in general is just leading to unhealthy relationships with food you know from what you're saying before you know food's the energy energy food's the enemy and it's just kind of depriving you of all the joy from eating and the satisfaction yeah um dieting leads to this really obsessive and unhealthy behaviors you know for example some things like um people might skip meals or um not eat or binge Um, excessive exercise is another one that i see shona where you know instead of exercising because it makes you feel good and you know you like the way you know your body can move it's kind of more about burn or, you know, how many calories um, you can burn off. So that's, that's another kind of component that needs to be, um, I suppose, brought to people's attention. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And because no one, no one sees exercise as something bad. Um, you know, that's a good thing. We're applauded for that. We're congratulated. We check in at the yeah. gym. Yeah. But, I, you know, I have experienced and, and suffered from obsessive um, exercise compulsion or disorder within my life and I know it's something that's that's not great and it's something that does it damages you know for short term you get a result but in the long term it does damage your view of exercise and yeah that enjoyment to be able to just go for a walk or go for a run and enjoy how your body feels suddenly it's always a game it's always you know what is this equaling out yes yeah Uh, so I suppose you know we've talked a lot about the dieting cycle and, you know, what kind of negative influences it have. Maybe, you know, maybe looking at how we can do some things to kind of break the cycle. Might be yeah. Well, I'm interested to ask, because I know I found you um, actually through your Nutrition and Me, the children's Facebook group that you have as, you know, looking at some healthy meal ideas for my family. How do you feel that, you know, um, it is impacting the next generation like we talk about the fat impact that you know junk food and and you know the the sugar boxes and cereal has on kids but what does the parents relationship with food and their own bodies how is that impacting the next generation such a good question and you know what I'll, i'll just kind of go back to that example where i was saying before that um you know i was brought up with um in a dieting kind of culture and it's nothing on 
um, my mother, you know, she did everything in her power to provide, you know, healthy meals and a happy home. And, but it's, you know, seeing her always on a diet and hearing the way that she spoke about foods. So, um, and look, in terms of science and evidence, what we're doing is impacting on our children. Another example I'll give you is when, um, and I say this in my workshops, you know, who here was told to eat everything on their plate when they grow up, you know, finish your plate. Um, and most people are like, yes, you know, the, the family rule was, you know, eat all your vegetables or you can't have dessert or those kind of things. You know, a lot yeah. of us have grown up with, with those kind of messages. Yeah. So, um, when we're passing these on to our children, uh, we're not, you know, it's all kind of um, pressure and it's all kind of adding to anxiety around kids with, with food. So essentially, um, and as a, it's called the division of responsibility, so it's a really great um, model that we use in nutrition and um, in dietetics and it's international. Um, so it's Alan Satter, and there's actually really great resources for parents on there on her website. So if anyone was interested, you could um, jump on there and have a look. But essentially, it's the division of responsibility of feeding. So what we're saying is um, the parent's responsibility is to provide the, um, the food and to kind of provide the, the time that we're eating and um you know what we're eating and it's the children's responsibility to decide um, whether they're going to eat so if they're hungry and how much they're going to eat and i know it might sound like you know mm, that sounds a bit like we're giving them a lot of freedom but um, essentially children are kind of born with that innate ability to know if they're hungry or full yeah 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 so I like to say, think of a baby. Like, what does a baby do when they're when they're hungry? Generally, scream blue murder. <laughs> yeah, they, they cry, right? And when they're full, babies usually yeah they push like, it away. They they won't have yeah. any more. Yeah. So as as kids, we're all kind of or you know born with this innate ability of knowing if we're hungry or full. And then when we kind of quote unquote again learn nutrition, you know whether it's from school or whether it's from, um, you know, calories or kind of portion plates and that kind of thing, we're kind of unlearning our natural abil ability to recognise our own hunger and fullness. So they're yeah. kind of all external cues, like external messages on how much we should eat. You know, like a restaurant serving size is, is not a portion. So um, so essentially what I'm saying with, with children is, you know, if we give children the opportunity to um, to eat, and obviously we're providing the foods that we, we think are good for them to have. We're not calling it healthy or unhealthy, but if we're providing them with a wide variety and expose them to lots of different kind of, you know, and I always say to, to families um, and individuals, you know, think of the colours of the rainbow, like a really colourful, different variety. And not, I'm not saying every night you have to have all the colours of the rainbow, but you know, through the, throughout the week, get a, a nice variety, then with that constant exposure over time, then children are going to um, have a really well varied and balanced diet. So, yeah. And I like, I use that model as well. And I'm not sure if I, I found it through that or I found it through one of the French parenting books, but yeah, like I grew up with an incredibly varied diet, even though I had a really bad relationship with food. My husband grew up on meat, potatoes and carrots and yeah, like okay. literally that's it. Yeah. So getting my kids to try different foods was really important for me from the get go. And yeah, we found that the best way to do that was to just say, you don't have to eat everything on your plate. You just have to try a little yeah. bit of everything. So my yeah. kids knew if they weren't hungry, they could just have a nibble of everything on the plate and then they could go and do whatever they want. But eventually that's led into kids that are really happy to eat beans and peas and broccoli yeah. and have lots of different foods, but also recognizing that my son is starving at about three o'clock till seven o'clock. Yeah. That's his yeah. main eating time of the day. And he will just eat everything in sight. Whereas my daughter gets hungry between nine and 12 and that's when she wants the extra snacks and mm. she'll quite happily not have dinner. She's not worried about dinner. <laughs> so yeah, it's nice yeah. to not have to push them. 
to just release exactly. ourselves of that pressure to like you have to eat like exactly. they're, if yeah. they're hungry they know where the fruit bowl is they'll get food totally. and the other thing is to like enjoy your own meal mums and dads you know and and families like there's nothing more kind of stressful than trying to eat your meal and you know you're getting cross at your kids because they're not eating and you cook this meal and you know pretty much what happens is that um you know, the more pressure we're putting on kids, like, oh, you have to eat this or you're not leaving the table too weak, that the only thing these little kids can control is whether they can eat or not. Like, they can control the food. So this is where this kind of, you know, power play of, about eating kind of all comes about because of it's the one thing they can have control over, yeah? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And do, do you agree? Like, I've seen some um, parents are really... Um, you know, they really, uh, what am I trying to say? They really advocate that kids get involved in the cooking process and the preparation process. Do you think that's something important that families should be focusing on? I think um, the more opportunities kids have to cook and just experience food, so whether that's just mixing, whether that's just picking, you know, lettuce leaves, whether it's um, touching whatever fruit and veggies they can at the supermarket. I think all um, opportunities like that are kind of all little exposures. And um, I think all that is really important for children to, um, yeah, just learn to learn to kind of love different foods and just get that increased variety and exposure. Um, and look, I often say with some clients, like that's a win. Some, some kids are so, you know, um, pedantic or, you know, quite restricted in, in what they're having. So, you know, when, when mums come in and they say that their child helped um, dress the salad or, you know, a particular example, this, this, um, this family, you know, her son decided that he'd um, help, you know, pour out the peas and, and cook them in the pod and then he was kind of, excited by that activity so he thought he'd give them a try and you know that's that's in my experience that's considered quite a win because yeah. these kind of little exposures that all add up over time and then you know they're building this kind of nice profile of of different foods really you know you're adding into your library I suppose is a way oh, exactly and yeah every exposure like they often say um like it can take like six to eight tries of something for a child to actually decide that they like something as well. So you just got to keep trying. You can't give up after, you know, the second time they say they don't like cucumber. My daughter like completely rejected cucumber for about eight months. She was not interested and now she eats them whole. And I'm like, go to the, go to the fridge to go get cucumber to actually use it in a meal. And it's just got bite chunks out of it. I'm like, Holly, what have you been doing? (laughs) That's adorable. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's, yeah. I've just totally lost track of what you were saying there. Sorry. It's <laughs> about trying things uh, over and over again. Yeah, that frequent exposure um, is just really important. And I think the other thing is just taking the stress away, um, especially for kids, you know, the more kind of fun and easygoing and, and um, happy. And the other thing is, you know, this, and I think it's really interesting is, lots of studies around um, just having family meal times together. You know, we need to kind of remember maybe in your and my household we have meals at the dinner table, but a lot of families don't kind of connect and come together, whether they've got sports or they've got older children or it's really important to have those family meals um, and sit down at the table um, as often as you can because that's where we're having those um, discussions and connections around, you know, um, the day's activities and um, talking about food and also it's a great opportunity for parents to role model you know maybe dad doesn't like to eat peas or whatever but you know dad's sitting at the table and um, you know he's still kind of setting a good example for the children so that's another important thing about having family meals together um, yeah. and the other really cool thing that I learnt is the um, oh, just totally lost my control there. Just edit that one out for me. The other really important thing is um, with having family meals is just the evidence shows us that people or families that have meals together, the children are less likely to um, get involved in risky behaviour, like when they're adolescents 
they're also less likely to kind of be involved in um, you know drug and alcohol abuse and, and those kind of things so that's another really important benefit and you know what just from something as simple as sitting down together and having a family meal I think that's pretty powerful Oh, it is. And that, they um, brought that up recently at one of like my son's autistic. And that was brought up at one of the um, seminars that I went to because it is such an, an important part of the development. And, you know, for me, autistic kids already have a much higher risk of turning to, um, you know, drugs and alcohol at a later date because it calms their nervous system in a way that, you know, they struggle to do on the day-to-day basis. So the fact that, you know, we can dramatically reduce those chances by just having dinner together is, it's, it's just so powerful. And we've just become so disconnected as society, you know, dad works late, mum work late, daycare, we're doing drive-through on the way home between soccer and rugby and everything and yeah we forget to have that connection time yeah and that's you know that's one of the things I think is really cool about um about nutrition and food you know it kind of brings us all together and I think that's the kind of romance of it really isn't it the you know the just the, the connection and um that sharing food that really appeals to me yeah bringing back that joy and pleasure in connection with food instead of something that we just rush and get into our mouth as fast as we can and then feel bad about it later. So I guess I'm I'm personally quite curious. What is the thing that clients come to you and ask about the most as a nutritionist? Um, That's a really good question. I do. um, That's like a common kind of workshop that I've done is like kind of the top five, like debunking nutrition myths. But I suppose the top things, you know what, it's it's quite, um, yes, you know, you think nutritionists, you talk about vitamins and minerals and food and stuff, but really a lot of the time we're talking about kind of just, you know, behavioural changes and things that, you know, you might just think are really simple, but it's like, oh, yeah, all those little things like add up. And when you kind of layer those healthy behaviours, you know, it, it's, what a really, really big impact. And, you know, again, I go back to evidence because, you know, nutrition is a science and it's evidence-based. But the more kind of layers of um, healthy habits we can have, you know, the more successful we're going to be at being healthy, at reducing our, you know, risk of diseases like heart disease, you know, diabetes, stroke cancer. So really, I suppose the most common thing, um, just to get back to the question that we talk about is, you know, things like, um, are you, hung- you know, recognizing your hunger? Like, are you, are you hungry when you're standing at the fridge, you know, for example, at three o'clock or three thirty after you've got home from your busy day, you mightn't have had so much lunch and, you know, why are you standing at the fridge? You know, are you actually hungry or are you kind of just, um, distracting yourself from, you know, the busyness of your day or, you know, you're bored or you're trying to put something off. Um, so So um, in addition to kind of working on um, simple things like um, planning ahead with meals and kind of working on creating those healthy habits, I think emotional eating would be a really common one, Shona, that we talk about with clients. Yeah. um, And just kind of strategies to deal with that. Um, Also kind of dealing with cravings. Um, Sugar cravings is quite a common one as well. Um, that we talk about so yeah but generally you know it's not um it's not all these glamorous vitamins and minerals that we talk about it's it's generally just kind of getting that fundamental basics right yeah um, in terms of you know just setting up your plate and um you know the, the five food groups like you know that might just sound so straightforward but once we get those basics right then we can you know add in all the different layers of how do we you know create a a meal plan or how do we kind of um shop and plan ahead and you know what kind of resources or tools do I need so yeah that's that's how I like to look at it yeah and I mean it's even something as simple as I've like I've been struggling with this since kindy when I first learned about it but the the two two serves of fruit the three serves of vegetables or the three and five like whatever it is now I don't remember But just Over trying to, yeah. yeah, two and five, trying to get that in. And I'm often sitting, yeah. sitting there going, how? <laughs> yeah. like, so do you have any tips for me to try and get that much fruit and vegetables yeah, in each day? 
Yeah, for sure. So, um, and look, coming back to, you know, having, um, if we're, if we're at a zero, you know, we're not going to go to five in a day kind of thing. So we need, we need to just kind of manage our, um, our, so look at things like our lifestyle and, you know, what kind of time we have. So all those things kind of need to be considered. So, but, you know, let's say we've kind of worked out that, so let's say we've worked out you're having maybe three serves of veg today in, in a day and you'd like to increase that to five. So maybe we'll work on a little goal that's within your um, comfort levels, I think, because that's really important. You know, we can't kind of create um, things that aren't going to be realistic for you. Yeah. So what I like to say is um, I like to talk about what a serve is kind of first. I think that's quite important because your serve might be different to what my serve is. Um, so I think a hand is quite a good idea because your hand is portable. You know, you've got your hand there all the time yeah. and uh, your hand is your size for you and mine's for me. So if you kind of close your fist and have, close your your fingers and have a fist. So I think of that as one serve of cooked veggies, a closed fist. Yeah. And then if you have two closed fists as um, like a salad serves, so that would be one serve of a salad. Great. Well, that's a Just lot a, less intimidating thinking of it that way. Yeah. So, for example, let's just say if we're going to go for five serves, so what you could do is, and what a lot of my clients do is we, we might look at having, say, two serves for lunch. So whether that's a salad um, or whether that's a um, sandwich and we might have some, say, vegetable sticks on the side with like a nice dip. So that would be our two serves. And then when we're having a dinner, we'll have our three serves. So when you think about looking at your fist and having, you know, um, like a small um, baked potato or roast potato um, and having things like um, carrots and, you know, all, of any vegetable, obviously, but that's a kind of easy model to kind of help it fit in. Um, some people three serves might be a bit too much at dinner time. They mightn't feel like that. So, you know, you might have, um, two serves at dinner and then maybe you know you can um, throughout morning tea you might have um, a serve of you know raw veggie sticks or you might have it in a dip or something so that's just kind of like a really basic way to look at it yeah that's actually really helpful I probably realized I'm actually having a lot more than I right. realized there's probably a part of me that's thinking you know one serve of fruit is half a watermelon and there's one serve yeah. of vegetables that's in one of those gigantic sweet potatoes so that's yeah, in my own sure. mindset but if I use that as a gauge yeah, I'm that. probably definitely hitting the right amount yeah. which is fantastic because I think so many people yeah. we're eating so much processed food and we you really forget about that it is such a basic thing that for me I learned in kindy about trying to get fruit and vegetables on your plate but it's difficult to keep up with sometimes as an adult. Yeah. And I think it's also just kind of um, maybe, you know, just checking in with these little things every now and then. Um, and sometimes if things aren't in the forefront of our mind, you know, like for example, water, you know, if I'm not thinking about having, you know, my two liters of water or, or what have you a day, and I'm quite caught up in my busyness and I don't have my water bottle, well, some days I'm not getting that. So, you know, it's kind of needing to, Kind of plan for success as well which is really a big part of um healthy eating yes kind of so but yeah but go, go I, I get like, a huge ass drink bottle <laughs> yeah for sure yeah definitely or don't you know don't kind of leave it at home or yeah 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 fantastic so i have learned so much during our chat already and i know that everyone else listening would, would have gotten so much out of it as well so now I just want to make sure that if people have resonated with anything on the call, which I know they would have because, you know, this has been amazing. Um, where can they find you to find out more and to see what else you have to offer and how they could work with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I have uh, obviously my website, which is nutritionandme.com.au. Uh, I'm also on social media. So I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And um, I really encourage people to, to ask questions. You know, I, I'm, I'm a real big information um, sharer. So in terms of, you know, just resources. Um, and I think uh, also 
it's a great space for people to kind of interact with each other as well. I know you mentioned the Nutrition in Me um, children page. I really kind of set that up, not for my own personal kind of promotion, but just as a space for people to kind of interact and share ideas with each other. Because I think that's really powerful, kind of setting up that community. Um, that's a, that's so that's a great page for anyone listening. I highly, I highly, I highly suggest, highly suggest you me children Facebook group because, you know, I've got meal ideas out of there. People are posting regularly and it is just a really great, no judgment community. There's none of that lunchbox shame that happens <laughs> in some other, other that. groups that you can be a part of. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about where people like judge you on your trolley or how organic your lunchbox is. There's none no. of that there. It's just a really safe place to learn. No, no need for that. Yeah, thank you. And then also, I mean, um, I'm in Gawler, Shona, so if anyone is local, um, I do run regular kind of um, workshops. I've got a couple of contracts with some local um, kind of wellness groups here. So, yeah, just keep an eye out. And um, obviously, I do private consultations. But, yeah, I appreciate um, the opportunity to talk with you today. And I, I love your message. And... Uh, I honestly really love your um, authenticity. I just think it's, it would just resonate with so many people. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jess. And I know like when we originally spoke, I was like, let's talk about your journey into how, like having business and a mom and how you juggle everything. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah completely different topic, but I've, I've loved what we've spoken about tonight. And yeah. I think it's, it is such it a powerful message that you have to share with people as well. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really glad we connected and booked the time and, and we've completed this tonight. Yeah, thank you. As, as I said, I, I appreciate the time and um, look, you know, hopefully what we've talked about has resonated with people and, you know, there is, there is freedom on the other side. So and it's, it really feels nice when you get there. It is exciting. We want everyone to break free from the diet yo-yo, vicious, vicious little hamster wheel that we tend to get on. So thank you so much for joining us, everyone. If you have any questions for Jessica, um, make sure you go and hit her up on social media. I'm sure she would love to connect with you. And we will see you next time on the podcast. Thank you. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and leave me a little love note by tagging me at sexy underscore selfish. To check out more of the Sexy Selfish podcast or to grab some of my little goodies, head on over to the freebie hub at www.sexyselfish.com. It's totally free and it's jam packed with hours and hours of content for you. Thank you so much for being here with me today on The Sexy Selfish Show and showing up today to become the best version of you. I'm sure you got so much out of today's episode and I know that I really did as well. If there is someone in your life who would really benefit from hearing this episode and some of the things we shared about, please share it with them right now. It's as easy as just sharing the link and you could literally change someone's life. Remember, it is time to stop delaying your happiness.